0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: Our King Leoric has gone mad, lashing out in crazed frenzy at the abduction of his son, Albrecht, and our steady losses in the ill-advised war against Westmarch, leading to an open revolt among his guards. (laughs)
0: Everybody needs a Deckard Kane in their game. Let me explain. So, Deckard Kane. Dude, what gave you the Haradra Cube in Diablo 2? And said, look, man. Combine your shite. Put some stuff in here. Let's put some gear in this corner. A little gear in that corner. If you play your cards right, you're going to get lucky and get something rad out of it. All right, that was his deal. That was his mode. He hung out in town, sat by that fountain the whole time. At least in Act 1. And he would identify your items for free. Remember that? Deckard Cain is so much more than just simply old dude who identifies your stuff for free. Speaking of which, does anyone use that book at all? The Book of Cain that's in all the towns now to identify anything since all you have to do is right-click on that business and it's only ever legendaries? Does anyone actually just save those up after a big farm run, go back to town and click the book? I don't think so. I don't think anybody's doing that. That's not my point. Decker Kane is really important to the greater scheme and the greater lore that exists in the Diablo universe. I would point to you or point you toward other great examples of this. Old guy with a beard and how important they are, all right? Star Wars, you got Obi-Wan Kenobi. Old guy with a beard. Important. Crucial. At least to the first three movies, right? Lord of the Rings had Gandalf, the gray, then the white. Very important guy, right? Wise, uh, good, ultimately sacrificial in some way. It's true of both Obi-Wan and Gandalf. Harry Potter had Dumbledore. Old guy with a beard. Again, the good, the wise, and the ultimately sacrificial. Deckard Cain joins the pantheon of great and wonderful, powerful men who, with their wisdom and their beard, put you on the right path. Right, man, you gotta love Deckard Cain. He's amazing. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the episode two episode, the episode two episode of the Diablo Show. That'll work. We can use that. Huge thanks right off the bat for all the feedback. Been very favorable, which makes me happy. A couple of people were like, well, how come you don't have a co-host. And I kind of explained it last week why I don't have one. And uh, that isn't to say that may always be the case or whatever. And we'll have guests here and there. But I really like the vibe of this. It's kind of uh, a passion play, this, this show for me. So thanks. Welcome aboard to anybody who's just coming in. This is the last I will thank you for that kind of thing directly because now it's time to do a show. We're moving forward. There's no time to look back and go, oh, that sure went well last week. Let's not look at the past. Let's look toward the future. Let's not think about that Nephilim rift where I got shit for drops. Let's think about the next one where perhaps the greatest chess piece known to Nephilim kind will drop and I'll wear that damn thing and get all the ladies. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah! Hey Scott, this is Josh S.H. calling from Tucson, Arizona. Last episode, you and Ralphie were talking about those arcane turrets of Doom. I wanted to let you know there's an amazing amulet floating out there. It is a legendary called Countess Julia's Cameo, and I was looking up to grab one at level 40. If you can get this amulet, it prevents all arcane damage, and even better, it heals you for 20 to 25 percent of the amount prevented. So check it out and I hope it works for you. time for the news. Thanks for that call by the way that is a pretty rad amulet Uh, not run into it yet, heard a lot about it showed up on the forums, people are um, talking about how it changed their lives in a very fundamental way (laughs) I mean think about that no arcane damage and it heals you for 25% of all damage taken will you ever need another amulet again in your entire life I don't think so get to the news all right there's some stuff going on i wanted to talk about some of this is news some of this is discovery stuff i found during the week that i think is pretty rad i'll start with this really great list of guaranteed locations for resplendent chest spawns this was posted on the uh, a couple of forum locations i saw it specifically in the diablo fans forums and uh it's pretty cool vizazu is the dude who posted it and uh, i don't know much about him other than he is listed as an advanced member of the forum so take that for what you will uh so for example, they lay them out like this, and each of the act spaces, act zones, it tells you where you are guaranteed to get a, a resplendent chest. And now that they have I don't know if they patched or hot fixed this, I don't remember how it went down, but resplendent chests were chests, chestes? chests were somewhat less resplendent uh leading up to when it got fixed. So now when you click on those things, the proper amount of awesome pops out of it. I'm getting more uh getting more gold out of those things, way more rares, and occasionally Unlike what it used to be like, I am now getting legendaries out of those out of those things. So so good time to be hunting down and farming chess. And here's a good way to spend your time. If you don't have time to do a full all five uh bounties in a zone, if you just need to get into the game, do some quick stuff and get out of there because you're on a lunch break or something like that, this is a great thing to go farming. So for example, in Act One, Fields of Misery, Decaying Crypt Level Two, Scavenger's Den level two, and Lost Mine level two. All contain guaranteed spawns of resplendent chests, at least as of this recording. That may change in the future. Um. Anyway, all all of these always spawn for me. I go in there, boom, there they are. Every time I go to do, even if I'm just going to do the one decay and crypt level two, boom, what knockout level one, go into level two, ignore the bounty, find the chest, pop it, kill some stuff. I've I've come out of there with two or three legendaries sometimes in a in a trip. So. That's a great place to go. Plus it's, you know, act one stuff tends to be a little easier and we'll talk more about that in a minute. Actually I have a kind of a point I want to bring up about that. Um, act two, there are things like on the howling plateau, you've got uh Suricoco, I don't know how you say that the caverns level two flooded cavern level level two. Here's a couple of not guaranteed, but will spawn often locations and desolate sands and stinging winds. I'll link this thing. Cause you don't want to hear me read it all, but it's got stuff all the way up through act five. Act 4, they don't have any listed, so either he hasn't found the guaranteed spawns or they just don't exist there. But there is some stuff good. There is some stuff good. There's some good stuff in Act 5 in the Westmarch Commons, which I go to all the time, to just farm straight up, farm it. Like, even if I don't go for the bounty, I'm going there. Even if there's no bounty there that that session, I'll go there and just kill stuff because there are all kinds of... um, Uh, mini events and all those little doors you go into and help the old lady find her daughter and all that kind of crap. Westmarch is is lousy with that stuff. It's everywhere. And you'd be shocked how much stuff you get out of that. So anyway, little farming advice up front for you on the show. I'll put it in the show notes. Watch for that. Also, a bunch of videos are out now talking about speeding through act one bounties and it got me to thinking. So these videos are basically, hey, on Torment three, here's how quick you can get through act one. And uh, the videos are just bananas, right? How quick they are. And they don't. And this doesn't apply to other acts. So it got me to thinking, are Act 1 bounties easier? Are they too easy, maybe? I can tell you the bosses are. So every time I go do uh, bounties in that zone, let's say Skeleton King, piece of freaking cake. It doesn't matter what level I'm playing on either. What difficulty, I mean. Boom, done. He's out. Takes no time at all. In fact, really all the differences on the difficulty levels is how much time it takes to actually burn him down. He's got more health. But I'm not dying anymore. I'm not really even taking much damage with him. So I think it is a case of this is the oldest thing they made. I mean, that was the beta, remember? You got to the Skeleton King and you were done. Uh, It's just so easy. So I think that's part of it. And, um, I also, this is just a side note when it comes to bounties, I find myself more and more often anyway, starting with the boss. So there's five, usually 99% of the time, one of them is a actual like act boss. You got to kill. Like if you're a do- if you're clear in act five stuff, chances are you're going to kill death. And that's rough because I usually am way too high on difficulty. And when I get in there, I've got to lower it against him because he, he kills me. Because you can't respawn at your body, you have to spawn last checkpoint, which is outside the, the zone in, you got to start over. So there is no, he's down to half, you die and then come back and then just burn down the, the other half. You got to start fresh every time. So I'm always knocking him down at a level or two when I get to him. So in his case, when I'm doing act five, I'll go, you know, torment something, difficulty, wipe the other four out, go to him, knock it down to take him on. Or I'll try once. If it's looking real rough uh and I die i'll I'll do it again but the point is that that's that's a much harder fight it's also much more sort of drawn out fight Diablo is a similar fight um on act four so uh if you're doing act one act two act three stuff, I think start with the boss get that thing out of the way because that's kind of the dance and it's you know it takes more time and there's mechanics and stuff to worry about that are specific to that boss and then get out of there and do the other four and you'd be surprised how quick that all goes saving him for last is kind of a pain in the ass. Also, I don't like how some of them are straight up, hey, do this final boss, and here he is, just walk into the room and and go with the fight. And some of them are clear entire two-level dungeons before you get to him. I kind of wish they would, I don't know, make some of that stuff more equal. Uh, Oh, also, so there's some tricks I use when I go, when I don't have uh, more time to do all those zones. I talked about some of that. Um, if you only have time to do two or three of the bounties, just do the ones you know are quicker. I mean, you've probably done most of them. Some of them are, obviously, they're, they get repeated and recycled. So go do the ones you just feel like, you know, well, last time I went in there, that only took a few minutes. Or the the the, the boss I had to kill, or the, the named character I had to kill was, you know, 10 feet away or something. And uh, other times, I mean, just sessions, just clearing zones is the way you, I do it, the way you did in story mode. Just go in there and get stuff. Again, Westmarch Commons in Act 5. Amazing place for that. Just go, kill, explore. It's all random. It's going to fill new to you anyway. It's a great zone generally. Good mobs. Fun stuff. Lots of elites are in there. Uh, blue, and, blue and yellow dudes everywhere. Lots of chance to make money. Get gold. Get drops. Boom. You're in. I mean, the other day when I was in... I guess I was playing on Masterful. Playing with... Um, the new Demon Hunter I started, went to Westmarch Commons, didn't have a lot of time, so I just decided to clear that zone out. I walked out of there with like three or four legendaries, major upgrades. Here's another tip for you. Hey, look at this. It's like the tip show today. You want another tip? How about this one? How to get free, free, uh, free rift runs in the game. <laughs> All right, this isn't exactly on the surface what it sounds like. Here's what you do. I just did this the other day. Open your game up to the public. All right. So you got your, uh, you got a little, uh, you know, adventure mode mode going. You're in, got a game. You're in town. Open it to the public. Suddenly, out of nowhere, out of the woodwork, three other dudes will enter your game. You won't know who they are. They're just random dudes. Whatever. They don't even talk most of the time. I don't, I'm, it's very rare. I'll say hi. They don't say anything. Right. Well, I'll run with friends more because they're more fun. But anyway, these guys will just show up and, I mean, literally nine times out of 10, one of them will open a Nephilim Rift. He'll go and spend his money. (laughs) And when I say money, his five keystone fragments. All right. So you don't have to. It's still in your storage. I have so many right now. Oh, my gosh. And I love running Rifts, but it seems like everyone else is always buying my Rift ticket. Anyway, so he'll open up a Rift. Boom, you're in. You run a Rift. You do an amazing job. You come out over with a ton of gear and it was all in somebody else's dime in your game. It's great. I don't know why it's happening. I would have thought if you're going to a public game, why not start your own and go make your rift? You're going to spend the money. What do you need me for? I think that's kind of awesome. So yeah, try that out. I think it's a good idea. See what you find out. Hey Scott, Todd from Alpha Geek Radio here. After listening to you sing the praises of Diablo 3 more or less constantly over the last couple of weeks on mm, all your shows, I decided to go out and pick up a copy of it with the bundle pack, including Reaper of Souls. Fired it up last night, and all of a sudden it was 11.30 at night. Yeah, I blame you for this. So, my question for you is, do you think I should begin... Grouping with people immediately, or if I should play through the solo campaign in its entirety first to get to know the game and then try out the uh, grouping thing. Good luck with the new show. Loving it so far.
1: And I'm out of here.
0: Hello, Todd. Um, I absolutely think that the this is my opinion. Some may differ on this. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to be you know, I know that some people when they buy, let's say, a, a new Call of Duty game, they don't even touch that campaign. They go straight to the multiplayer and that's all they care about for the entire lifetime of their ownership of that disc, right? That's normal. We expect that. We know that happens. I am not that guy in call of duty or most games. If there's a campaign, I want to see that thing first, uh, a ton of great craft and thinking and storytelling and, and art and sound and music and stuff goes into that experience. And I'm big on all that. So, uh, I always play campaigns in games. Now, when it comes to Diablo 3, I'm even more so on this side. And I think that probably more players are generally. Partly because you have to, with Reaper of Souls, uh, now part of the overall package, you have to do this to unlock adventure mode. Which is, in in essence, the way you unlock your new way of leveling new characters, trying new classes, trying new builds, running rifts, uh you know doing what is quote unquote end game in this in this game so there's almost a requirement now to finish it in story mode doesn't mean you can't group and it also doesn't mean you can't group through story mode so that's something you can do Todd you don't have to jump straight to you know well let's just go do random things and here's the truth you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to join there well i actually haven't confirmed this can someone i guess i could have looked it up but i don't think you can jump into somebody else's adventure mode if you have not cleared act 5 so even if they even invite you, I don't think you can. But I could be wrong about that. But even then, keep in mind, you're not going to be doing the inviting. It won't be you. It'd have to be me. And if you're a level 20, you got to count on somebody in a similar range to pull you in. Or they're just trying to power level you or whatever. But let's, let's just assume for now that that's not the case. I still think it's absolutely worth playing through. And then adventure mode is yours, man. Then you can do whatever you want. And you can level the witch doctor and not feel like you're playing the story over again. And you can, you know, jump back and forth between characters and try the new class. The Crusader class is fantastic. There are times I think that the reason the game invented, the game, Blizzard invented adventure mode was to make it so the Crusader wouldn't just languish as a new character. You'd have to play through the story again because less people just straight up, they just wouldn't play it. So kind of a brilliant catch all this adventure mode. But anyway, I, uh, yeah. So, yeah, the sorry, the short answer. Is there a short answer? The short answer is, Todd, you totally want to finish the story first. All right, I have exciting news. I may have mentioned it briefly last week. And if I did, great, because it bears... Repeating because you benefit directly from me repeating this. Blizzard is sending us a custom state uh, skate deck, Diablo 3 themed skate deck, big old Diablo's mug on there, the primeval himself going, and it's a skate deck for a skateboard. Right? Kids are still skating, even if you don't skate, hang this on your wall, man. Anyway, we're going to give this away. I'm not going to keep it like I want to. Oh, did I mention the entire Team three, the Diablo team will sign it is is signing it like this week. So when it ships to me, probably next week, which means by episode three, we may have the contest in full bore. You could win your very own Diablo themed skate deck. One of a kind, never going to sell them on the store. Well, I guess never say never, but doesn't appear they're going to. It's a pretty rad deal. Uh, so come on back for that won't you and we'll uh, we'll talk more about it next week. That's the big contest with the skate deck coming from Blizzard right here to the Diablo show. All right, some uh, final bits here. The uh, there were a couple of hotfixes the other day that were kind of interesting. Rat crawlers and tusked Borgans no longer continue spawning additional waves of minions after the second wave is defeated. That's good if that was driving you nuts. I ran into that a a few times. They fixed that, and that was like maybe three days ago. Also, trivial monsters uh, that spawn during events such as the Hive and the Demonic Prisoner no longer provide experience or gold or loot of any kind. Uh, You know the ones that kind of come out. Usually it's those uh, cultist guys that are just paper. You just rip through them like they're nothing. When those guys, they're just sort of ancillary and fill the screen and they don't really, you know, they're not much of a threat either, but they're no longer going to give you any loot. Sorry, man. If you were farming those guys for drops, I don't know what to tell you. Actually, if you were doing that, then you're kind of crazy. Is everybody looking forward to Seasons and Ladders? I am. Found a great post on the boards uh, describing exactly how these are going to work. We talked about them briefly last week and uh, we talked about tiered uh, riffs and all that kind of stuff, but... There's been some confusion, and we got a bunch of emails asking questions about how ladders and seasons are going to work. So this is one quote I thought was interesting. I mean, we could get into the exclusive legendaries or the tiered rift stuff, but we, I, I feel like that stuff's pretty self-explanatory. Um, you know, certain legendaries only available to, to, you know, seasons and you participating. But here's the description briefly. Seasons and ladders, like and ladder-like system is what they're referring uh, to it as. One of the features you guys have asked a lot about, and we have done a lot of research for, is something called ladders. I'm happy to say that as part of our big content patch in a couple of months, we haven't seen this yet and probably won't for a little bit, we'll be releasing seasons, which will include a ladder-like aspect to them as well. We're still working on them, but a lot of the general gist is that you'll level up a new character, we'll have specific ladders for seasons, and also some goodies that will drop along the way. There's more information to come. We're not making an announcement as to when, but that's coming in the first major content patch. Not the first patch, but the first major content patch. Two things I take away from this. One, very interested to see how that is and what's the competitive nature of it and all that. So we're going to get more details as they come. But on the core, at the core here, it sounds nice. But the other thing is, I like it when Team Threes talks about content patches and has a roadmap for future content patches. For a game that doesn't cost you money per month to play, the idea that I can do more in Diablo moving forward is exciting. Unlike Diablo 2, which just sort of had an expansion and you were done. Or even Brood War for StarCraft, it was that was it. You just played what you got. But we're going to continually get content. Call it DLC, call it wherever you want. I would even be willing. I don't know if they have this in their plans or not, but if they're going to do big major content patches that they want to charge for, I'm down with that too. $10 DLC? New stuff to play in the game? Bring it. They haven't indicated any of that. That's just a prediction on my point uh, part, so we'll see. Also, they're working on a vote slash kick feature in the game. It's already in there, but they're looking at changing that in a big way, how it kind of cools down. What those uh, negative effects are and how long they last on the player being kicked. How and when. Private games versus public games. That's good. That's coming up soon. And then finally, I want to point you guys to uh, Zip's Unholy Monk build on the brand new TheoryCraft Thursday. They're going to start doing this on, I, I assume it's going to be every Thursday. They kind of said, said as much, but seems like a lot of work. But anyway, whatever. It's on the official site. This is Zip's Unholy Monk build to kind of go into the theory behind all the choices. Secondary primary skills, defensive abilities, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I'm pretty stoked about just this, this in general, that they're going to do this. So we're going to get some, some sweet build advice from Blizzard coming on up. Doesn't that sound good? I'm excited. All right, let's talk about Wizards. Alright, so here's the deal. A friend of the program, you may know him if you were instance listeners, or are still instance listeners, but remember the old days when Patrick Beja would often grace us with his presence. Did a segment for a while, come on the show, had him on a couple of live BlizzCon reports where he was in Anaheim and I wasn't. Stuff like that. He lives in France. He's a stud. We, we love Patrick. He's coming to Nerdtacular, by the way. You should come to that. Nerdtacular.com. Ticket's still available. It's a frog pants meetup event every year that we do. And it's going to be rad. At any rate, uh, Patrick is uh, also an employee of Blizzard. I should mention that, which is why he is not physically on here with me talking about his build. Because they won't let him. There, there are laws and bylaws at Blizzard about who can say what if you are working at Blizzard and somebody wants you to come on a show and talk about your stuff or something. So not really an option. For Patrick. Anyway, he does an amazing job there. And it's always fun to see him at BlizzCon and see him work. And he's he's great. He wears a scarf, which is a little bit weird. But anyway. (laughs) We're always teasing him about his scarf. It's France, man. When you're in France, you just do what you got to do. Anyway, so he told me yesterday uh, as part of another show, which he was on. That wasn't video game related. So he was allowed. We talked about his build uh, off air, of course. For uh his wizard, and it's a fairly popular bill with a couple of twists, and it kind of impressed me also he has way expensive gems and everything, which also impressed me. He's money bags, I guess more gold than I have I'm kind of hurting on gold um so here's what he sent me basically his cal- calculated build and his character profile, uh, both of which I'm bringing up now. I thought I had them up already here we go. So, in the skill calculator available on the official site, here's how the breakdown works. And if you're a wizard, you're going to love this. If you don't like wizards, I don't don't know, skip this part, I guess. I'm not going to take that much time. Electrocute with Surge of Power as your rune, which is your gain. This is your primary mouse button. Gain one arcane power for each enemy hit. That's an important one, right? Because you need that arcane. Although, he doesn't as much, but we'll get to that in a minute. Disintegrate with Chaos Nexus as your rune for your secondary. Keep that stuff handy. But your primary stuff, the things you're going to be using the most, come into the fray, cast Black Hole with Absolute Zero Rune, which is, incre- uh, sorry, each enemy hit increase increases the damage of your cold spells by 3% for 10 seconds. It's a little bit weird, but it does a slowdown effect, which is nice. That's a weird thing to add to this overall kind of fire build. I think. As a wizard player, I think it's a little strange, but whatever. This is what he's recommending. Come in there, start with that. Next, 2 or 3, sometimes 4, Meteors. Do Meteor Shower as your rune. Unleash a volley of 7 small Meteors. Each strike for 228% weapon damage as fire. And you just keep kind of spamming that. There's a small delay with that particular ability. Those are not familiar with the Wizard. But it's not really a problem here, the way you're using it. Cast 2 or 3 of those. Especially good with groups, obviously. Single targets, who cares? Just use your primary and secondaries, but... uh. So you drop a bunch of those. In the meantime, you have cast magic weapon and the ignite rune which imbues your uh your weapon with 10% increased damage and lasts 10 minutes. So you got to kind of keep casting it every 10 minutes. Attack burn enemies dealing 86% weapon damage as fire over 3 seconds. That's the ignite rune. So that's important. Again, more fire, more damage. Uh, stacking percentage uh, stacking damage is what you're doing. On uh, the... Con- Let's see, what else? Oh, the final one is the f- cast of Familiar with Spark Flint, which Summers of Fire Familiar will grant you 10% increased damage in addition to what Familiar already does. So again, more damage. Stack and damage. His passives are... I don't know, some of these... Are, I'm not sure all these are super important, but he's got Glass Cannon, Conflagration, Audacity, Elemental Exposure. Again, all of which seem to either be resistance-based or damage-stacking-based. Now, here's what makes it a powerful build. That may just seem kind of simple to you guys, and this is kind of a relatively, with a few changes, kind of a popular build right now for Fire Wizards. Go to his character sheet. He's such a bastard. He has the Cinder Coat, Legendary Chest Armor. Stats are, yeah, they're okay. And he's also got a couple of... He's got, like, the best gems you can get in there right now. Which just, I look at it and I just think of the millions of gold that represents. Anyway, three gems, all intelligence. I mean, he's got a bonus of 8,017 8, intelligence right now in his overall gear bonus. But that uh, that legendary piece of chest armor, the cinder coat, does this. Check this out. Fire skills deal 20% more damage. So every time he casts anything with fire, which is almost all he's using here, 20% more damage. I wonder if the black hole with the explosion fi- as fire at the end would actually be better here. But anyway, whatever. Um so that's one thing. Among secondary uh stats on this thing. Reduces the resource cost of fire skills by 29%. So he's got a 20% damage increase, 29% less resources. Essentially he's running around doing everything for free. <laughs> I mean, I know, I mean eventually I suppose in a real rough fight he may run out and have to you know You might have to cast Electrocute and Surge of Power to get Arcane Power back. One per hit or whatever. Maybe on a raw day, man. Maybe then, but just tearing it up. So there's a cool build for you. I I recommend it. I got to go in and play with it. I don't have that gear. I don't have that, that chess piece. I have another Legendary that doesn't give me anything near that. But even without it, I'm still doing really well. So, highly recommended, wizard folk. The only real problem with it, this is the only complaint I would make. Um, I feel like because I'm using Disintegrate less and Electrocute less, my two primary skills, and really all I'm doing is waiting, you know, running Black Hole on cooldown and then Meteor Shower every chance I get. That's, it's kind of, it's like a three-button game, now. Do you see what I mean? Because Familiar, you cast it once and just let that dude float. There's no... There's no reason to recast that. A Magic Weapon, you don't do anything. It's a buff, so you're only casting it every 10 minutes. So it's kind of... I I could see how you might get bored over time with just the rotation. If I had any kind of complaint to make. And, you know, mix this thing up. Tell us what you uh, do different. Let us know what changes for you when you play this build. How you tweak it out. And uh, we'll talk more about it. All right? All right. Let's get to some calls and emails. We already played calls today. Those happened in the middle of the show. So I'm going to read these emails real quick. My question is uh, related. Let's see, who's I'm sorry, who's a Stark Mad Tyler G is his name. Stark Mad is his character name. My question for you is related to bind on account items. One of my favorite memories of Diablo 2 was trading SOJs and the like with my friends. Currently in Diablo 3, trading is heavily restricted. I can understand why it's in place to cut down on third party sites that could potentially arise, especially with the removal of the auction house. However, I wanted to get your thoughts as I think uh, as I think a robust and healthy trading community is ultimately what gave D3, or I think he means D2, its longest life. I look forward to meeting you and the Frog Pants producers at Neartacular. Someone just texted me during the show. I'm turning that off now. Okay, well, I'll see you at dude. That'd be great. Good good to shake your hand. So here's the dealio on that. Diablo 2's life was not, I don't think, helped or extended. Well, maybe it was extended some, but it really certainly wasn't helped. By the hacking community and the third-party sites that were making you pay real money for stuff and pre-built characters and all that, when when Blizzard announced the auction house, I mean, the original intent of that thing was twofold: it was to give this new way to get to get items in the game, uh, and secondly, by providing a real money auction house, it was to stop the third-party stuff from happening. Right, and you know that way Blizzard got that money, but it also just kind of cleaned things up. It was a safer environment for your credit card and for your sanity and whatever. So, um, so, you know, and that would turn out to hurt the game in other ways, which we've talked about before and certainly probably we'll talk about again. So the auction house ultimately wasn't a great thing, but the fact that the game's on all the time, you're online all the time connected to servers. I feel like that's enough to kill the problem. So this whole, you know, third party thing is not really an issue now. As far as a robust trading system in the game, it's really the same as it was. What is What was different about Diablo 2 in terms of trading other than the third party stuff? Because once again, you had to meet up with your dude and he would say, oh, hey, I got a whatever here. You want it? A crossbow you could probably use. Boop, throws it on the ground. You pick it up. Now it's yours. None of that has changed. You can still do all that. Uh, all sorts of transmog now. So if you want to transmog an item that somebody just picked up out of a run, he can drop it on the ground. You pick it up, then you give it back to him. But automatically you've now got a new transmog to use when you talk to the enchanter lady. So I don't know that it needs more than that. Um, maybe that's what you're arguing, but it's not like it has less than D2 did because, because Diablo two is the same. Pull it out, throw it on the ground. Uh, Could they do a more, I don't know, community-based thing or maybe between friends and have some sort of trade system that just needed you to accept it that could happen remotely? You don't have to be on the same game space to do it. I think that'd be all right. That'd be cool. But I, I really don't feel like it's like there's nothing. There's no step back here. The auction house, you could argue, was a step back. But certainly the way you trade items now is probably just fine. So anyway, thanks for the email. But I think we're good, man. I think we're good. Josh wrote in says, "Hey, Scott, as much as I'm digging uh the Reaper of Souls update, do you think that the next expansion will include some better end game content? I feel like adventure mode is great for leveling alts more than it is for true end game content thoughts all right, Josh, I agree with you that adventure mode on just the surface of it is great for um, for for leveling alts I mean yes that's that's one of the its' great features. But I also think there's a lot of hidden stuff going on. Ran some stuff with buddies the other night. I couldn't even tell you where we got it or how we knew to go there. But some weird thing, going to town, going to a certain place. They cast a portal. We went in there, had to fight two bosses at the same time. That took us forever. Everyone died three times. Totally hard. I got half of this uh, totem thing that when combined with another one, I get some epic legendary ring and it's the only way to get it. I didn't research too much about where we were or how I was going to get that ring yet. Part of the reason I love this game is because I am, I am slowly peeling away the layers of the onion that exist in here. But that stuff is all over the place. And some of that you only find out on forums or on websites or through your friends. But that to me right now, at least, is where the end game is. Now, I think some players are like, well, I want to have raids. I want to have it so 25 of my friends can do like we do in WoW and go in there and fight some boss together. I'm not saying they'll never do that, but I don't think the goals are the same here. The game is so loot focused and so uber character focused that I think we'll see things like this ladder system and other things come up that will help serve that end. Um, The goal is character progression, not take down a boss. If that makes sense. So... I don't know. The answer is, I guess I don't know. But I, I, I mean, with them talking about content patches and, and all this sort of thing, I mean, maybe these things will the, these things will happen more. But I can tell you so far, I've had so many like happy surprises go with a group and go, oh, hey, you guys, uh, to get this achievement, I need to do this thing over here. Oh, well, how do you even know about that? Well, I, I got a rare drop that if I click it, it opens a portal. And now I got to go, you know, there's a lot of little secrets. And that is just badass. All right, I got a question for the week. I'm going to start doing these, I think. Make sure you're emails everybody. By the way, emails thediabloshow at gmail dot com. That's uh, the email address. And if you want to give us a phone call, and you can send. By the way, you can send attachments there as well. MP3s are fine. Don't send me WMAs or WM whatever the Windows Media ones are. They don't work. I can't use them. But uh, yeah, MP3s and regular emails thediabloshow at gmail dot com. Um, and then uh, phone calls can go to two zero six two seven eight zero five five three two zero six two seven eight Zero five five three, Leave us a voicemail. Keep them short and interesting. Likely get played on the show, just like this week. Deckard Kane did call us again. I'm going to play it at the end of the show. A little bit longer, so I wanted to kind of save it for the end. So listen for that. All right. Question of the week The cost of gemming is through the freaking roof. Thoughts? <laughs> what are you guys doing to afford late, late game gem, gemming? Like, how are you doing it? And keep in mind here, folks, some people in the in the week were like, hey, wasn't it great that you can, when, uh, when you get your stuff um, salvaged, the gems are saved and you get your gems back? Well, yeah, that's great, unless you still want to keep the gear you have on and you just need to swap out a gem. So now, extremely expensive to remove that gem, and very, very expensive to get the, what are the big ones now? The Imperial Perfect Freaking, whatever the hell they're called? So much money. So much money in the game. I feel like that's where people are going to go broke. So thoughts on that? Cost of gemming. What can be done? Going to get nerfed? I don't know. And blood shards. What's the deal? Let me tell you about blood shards. I went and spent every blood shard I had. I I had like 400 or something. Went and talked to a hoo-ha lady. Went through the whole thing. Spent every one of them on helms. Because really, helms are where it's at for what I need. And got nothing that was a, even an upgrade, even an upgrade. They were all poop. They were all rares, no legendaries, all crap. I lost that gamble. That was a bad day in Vegas. That's what that was. Anyway, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. It's going to do it for this episode. Thanks everybody for being here. This is the normal length or so of these shows. Sometimes when there's a guest on, we might go a little longer, but this uh, this should give you a good indication of what you can expect each week. I love Diablo 3 Reaper of Souls. Have I mentioned that? I really love it, and I'm glad you guys do too, and I'm glad we're here together on this goofball journey on pod, on the podcast. I'm glad I can stutter through the my heartfelt thoughts there. Glad I can mess those up. <laughs> uh, that's gonna do it. Oh, don't forget, you can support the show. People are asking other ways to support it. You guys, is there a Kickstarter, a Patreon? No, no, none of that. But uh, if you want to sponsor it, contact us. You know the email, the Diablo at gmail or more importantly. You want to go over to uh, frogpants.com/slash store. We'll put a link on the on the Diablo site. I haven't done that yet. It'll take you right there. But you can get the Diablo Show loot pinata for a limited time. This includes album art signed by me, uh, stickers, a uh, bunch of stuff. Big loot pinata. Go over there, click on that, help support the show, and get some cool stuff while you're at it. Okay? All right. The Diablo Show at gmail.com is our email address. We're at the Diablo Show on Twitter. You can also find me at Scott Johnson. Uh, The website is frogpants.com slash Diablo. Don't forget to give us a call. Leave us a message. 206-278-0553. 206-278-0553. That's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Until next time, always trust the wise, old, sacrificial man. (laughs) Hello,
1: friends. It is I, Deckard Kane. I've had many people ask me since last week how I was able to call in to the Diablo show and leave my message. The answer is simple. After I faked my own death, I escaped sanctuary through a treasure goblin portal, and I've discovered many new universes and worlds. I've also discovered cellular phones. This technology is fantastic. It allows us to communicate much more effectively than talking paper. The talking paper is nice, but you have to leave it laying around in a dungeon and hope the people you want to hear it find it. Well, it does have some drawbacks. Unfortunately, now that I have a cell phone, my mother won't stop calling me. It's... it's ridiculous. Mother, I'm a grown man. I need to live my own life. I don't have to call you every weekend. Come on! Anyway, this has been Deckard Kane. Thank you for staying a while and listening. This podcast
0: is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com